This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Boldy, top of the right circle, throws it to the net, tip right on, stop by to Smith. He made a great save on the rebound, two on Erickson Eck right in front. Find the net for Duhame, centers in front. A great save by DeSmith on a one-time chance in the slot by Connor Dewar. The Hoaglander with lots of room to skate into. Zadorov up in the rush, chance for a three-on-two. Hoaglander right wing, trying to shot, he scores! the twine for a second straight game with instant reaction from the players and coaches. Garland holds in middle of the ice, passes in front for Bluger to the goal, he scores! A beautiful deke by Teddy Bluger sent Gustafson spinning out of the crease and he tucked it into the forehand. The Canucks lead 2 to nothing. Have your say on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks with a 2-0 victory on home ice over the Minnesota Wild. Recovered, like Randeep said, after from a pretty bad start in the first. Score late in the first. Niels Hoaglander, the game-winning goal. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shah with Bick Nazar and Randeep Janda. Get your thoughts in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650. And... You know, it really was a tale of the first 20 minutes and the final of 40 minutes. The Canucks far cleaner, far more stingy in the second and third periods to close this one out. And it was kind of night and day from a team perspective from how they started the game. And I will say, though, Randy, they didn't play well the first, but the Canucks took 13 minutes and 18 seconds into the first to get their first shot on goal, which was met with some Bronx cheers from the home faithful here at Rogers Arena. But... They weren't giving up odd man chances. They weren't breaking apart. They were keeping things to the outside for the most part. The difference to me was they finally started getting a forecheck, finally started playing better through neutral zone, spent less time in their own zone, the final 40, and that was a difference. Yeah, and you start looking at the battle level overall increased in the second period, and that Hoaglander goal gives them confidence. I love that play by Brock Besser to make that pass head up. You know, when we talk about quick decisions in a game, the first period... It was a little disjointed from the Canucks, especially that opening 14 minutes, as you mentioned, Sat. But as this game went on, they were a more cohesive unit. They were playing together. And that's where I look at, you know, that second period especially. That's when that suffocating style in the neutral zone started to take place a little bit more. But, you know, it comes with aggressive forecheck, comes with increased battle level. And that's, you know, what Rick Tockett wanted from the outset. Couldn't really do in the first 20, but definitely compensated in the final 40. The neutral zone is where it changed for me. Uh, certainly because they scored the goal, you can play with the lead uh, a lot differently, but they started to slow the wild down significantly through the neutral zone. And winning battles along the wall in the offensive zone, not necessarily because of, of a dogged forecheck, just yeah. when the puck came there, they were on top of them. And, and when that puck's at the juncture of the blue line and the board, they were winning those ones in the last 40 minutes. In, in the first 20, like, just winning a battle felt like a, a struggle, but once they got that goal, game certainly went to the style that they want to play, and it was very, you know, very noticeable through the neutral zone. Just how difficult the Wild had to to navigate. It was, you know, sticks were on pucks and things were broken up, and even if they got bounced into their own zone, you know, someone was there to retrieve it. It was just, it's significantly better in the last forty. And a classic example was that two nothing goal where Dakota Joshua and Noah Juleson at the blue line battling hard to keep that puck in, and then you know the pass is made to the center of the ice, and what happens there? Garland sets a Bluger and bam. But that's a board battle to end up winning. 
Oh, absolutely. And I mean, you're still looking at like how these guys have been able to just get get themselves back into the game. It is winning board battles, and it is being a bit more active. And we've seen them, you know, the past few games, not be able to establish a four check. And you know, to do that, you need certain guys to get going. And the three stars of the game tonight: Casey the Smith, of course, incredible between the pipes. Connor Garland, I thought, had one of his better games of the yep. season, creating scoring chances. What an incredible feed uh, as well to set up Teddy Bluger's goal to make it 2 nothing. I thought that line was good. Niels Hoaglander, you know, I thought actually in the first that line struggled, wasn't at their best. But what Hoaglander did tonight was he was active. Got in on the forecheck. Got a goal, of course. But that line, the Jill Miller line, for the first time in a few games, looked like they were able to establish a forecheck consistently. Yes, and they did come in with speed. And one thing I liked about that line... I like, you know, A, overall, when anytime you can produce, that's one thing. But I felt like Brock Besser was all over the ice tonight, and his stick was in lanes. He was, even though it might, you know, that pass on that one nothing goal is, is a great heads-up play, but the rest of the night, just being a bit of a, a bit of a nuisance, plugging up those, you know, those passing lanes and just getting yeah. the stick in the right spot and, and bringing that battle level. But to your point, Sat, we talked about winning matchups. When Kaprizov late in that game is being moved off his line to try to get away from the JT Miller matchup, you know you're doing a good job when yeah. they're trying to get the star away from that matchup. So more than anything, anything, you can pat yourself on the back if you're the Vancouver Canucks. You know, that line, that matchup line, because Kaprizov, Rossi, Zuccarello, you didn't really hear anything from those guys and most of the top six. So that's a win for that line and, and the top six in general. That pass he makes on the Hoaglander goal. Yeah, considering how much they've been fighting the puck, that was such a confident, daring pass, right? You think of a diagonal from below yeah. the goal line to the far blue line uh, and, and to the far wall, basically. And you think, oh, how dangerous that can be through the middle totally. there. Yep. Three wild forwards low, and it's a door of jumps off, but that's a great play by Brock Besser. And because he was much maligned last game, we should always mention Tyler Myers, right? He's Wins the one the that comes across, yep. breaks up that play. It's, it's, it's Rossi, it's... Uh, Kirill Kaprizov and it's Myers right there starting that whole sequence to get Brock Pesser on the puck and he's the one that arrows it out to Hoaglander. On that note Connor Garland on the pass to Dakota Joshua they don't end up scoring on that goal where Dakota Joshua tries to go for the deke but another great cross ice feed to hit Dakota Joshua who you know in that moment if he could redo it maybe tries to go for the shot rather than the deke probably doesn't know there's a, a defenseman in Spurgeon right behind them but a couple of great passes tonight that Showed a little counterattack as well from this team. Yeah, and, and you know what? Uh, to be able to counterattack, you got to be able to get out of your own zone a, bit more, a lot cleaner. The Canucks had real trouble in the first period getting out of their own zone. Once you started getting off the break, you chip past that line of pressure Minnesota has, you started seeing some chances going the other way. I, again, I thought Minnesota created a lot of scoring chances. There were some rebounds and close shots and trying to jam away at it. But did they have a two-on-one? Did they have an odd man ra- rush? No. The Canucks had a couple breakaway opportunities. They had a couple odd man rushes. I mean, there was a couple of chances where they didn't get a shot off, uh, where Miller made the pass to Hoaglander, couldn't corral it. It was a two-on-one opportunity. So I thought the Canucks were actually able to create the better scoring chances in this game. And a lot of it happened, uh, Randy, to your point winning pucks, and then getting through that line of defense. And once you do that and play with pressure, well, you can create some chances going the other way. Well, you talked about Minnesota and their ability early on in this game to get right in front of DeSmith, and, and that was probably their best chances. Erickson Heck, Eck had a couple right off the bat. He must be wondering how he didn't convert a rebound chance tonight or a wraparound chance because he had so many. Yeah. For sure. And credit to Casey DeSmith, who was just doing really well to make sure that he took away the bottom of the net. Like, excellent right off the bat protecting that area. And get real close to the shooter. For sure, for sure. And late in this game, you could see he was, you know, there was a chance coming down the left-hand side, the left wing, really aggressive, 
but just reading, engaging, you know, what his team needed at certain points of this game. But guys, overall, I start looking at that neutral zone play and going back to, you know, early on this season, especially in preseason, when we saw this team, when Suter and, you know, when Bluger actually playing his final preseason game, he got hurt in that game against Calgary. Those were moments where we were saying, okay, wait a second. This guy can make that type of impact. I thought that line was really good. I thought, you know, that JT Miller line was excellent. And even though PD didn't get going offensively, there's still key moments playing that 200-foot game where there's a play, I believe it was Boldy, if I'm not mistaken, trying to bring the puck in. And Patterson first makes a hit in his own zone, and then coming back the other way, dives through, disrupts that pass, forces Minnesota to go offside. So even though they were coming through with speed, he disrupts it and knocks him off that, you know, that play. And that ends up creating just a disruption. So even though if it was not necessarily leading the offense, just disrupting. So I think a lot of players, whether it was Besser and Pedersen, a couple of names especially, had some good 200-foot games tonight where, you know, Pedersen didn't get on the score sheet but still ended up making some good plays. Contesting plays again. Yeah. Yeah. Something that we haven't seen this team do enough, especially as you were mentioning earlier, Pick, through the neutral zone. Bluger's, it's funny because he sometimes stops his feet in the neutral zone, yeah. but his timing of when to go burst and go get a stick on puck or at least yeah. make the guy change direction, and you can see, okay, suddenly they're going laterally now and everyone can get reset. It, it's, it's kind of a funny watch sometimes because you think, hey, you want to match the speed and, mm-hmm. and carry along with them, but he's got such great timing on that play, and it, it always just kind of disrupts the flow of what they're trying to do, generate speed through the neutral zone, and, and he did that plenty tonight. And he's more cerebral, right? Like when you look at different, even when he's F1 sometimes down low, he's mm-hmm. attacking, it's He's well, there. Actually, his goal, Yep. that puck comes around the wall, and I think it's Felino on the wall. And you just watch how he pins the stick, gets that puck yeah. free, and it looks not clean, but he, what he did to freeze Felino was awesome. And then that puck comes around, Joshua and Juleson do some great work at that juncture there at the blue line, and, and Garland makes an unbelievable pass inside to Bluger, and he finishes it off well. Yeah, I mean, it's a great pass by Garland. I thought Garland was very active tonight, uh, and it's one of those things where we haven't seen enough offense be created. They created some chances, but they're not getting enough points. And we're so, we saw that here tonight. Connor Garland getting that bottom line, getting that primary assist, pushing his point totals up a little bit this season. And the, he, he's been a talking point in the city, has he not? Right, I know on your show, that's for <laughs> sure, where Connor Garland, have, when's that production coming? But it speaks to what that line can potentially do in yeah. terms of if you're trying to create a, a more of a scoring line, and sure, Pusut is not there. On certain nights, he'd be maybe your trigger man, right? He's got that shot, scored 14, 15 goals, three straight years. But can you still create offense? And Garland's a playmaker. Dakota Joshua is going to get his chances in and around the net. But I'm liking what I'm seeing from Teddy Bluger because that was a pretty filthy move on Gustafson, right? Gustafson had no chance on that. So maybe a little bit more offensive game in Teddy Bluger's game than we potentially realized. Well, All something he's guys. talked about, yeah. yeah. Joshua tonight was really good um, yep. as well, mm-hmm. and f- for that line to provide some, some scoring is massive. Uh, Joshua gets his fourth assist of the year, and probably more notable for a goal scorer. Uh, we saw him have a nice goal here recently as well uh, on home ice, and so if, if they can produce, it just it eases the burden. Like on a night when Miller, Patterson, Hughes don't produce tonight, uh, aren't on the score sheet, they're, they're effective, but aren't, we're not on the score sheet. You look to another line, and, and that line, because they've been so effective and there's a demand for more points, uh, they they really shone through tonight. And what I liked about them, especially in the second period, because that's when you saw the change in the forecheck. You were talking about really not having an impact at all in the first period and winning battles or lack thereof. In the second period, that changes, and I felt like that Goligoski pairing was targeted as well, especially mm-hmm. on that side where they're saying, you know what, we're going to put the puck over there and let's see if you can make a play. 
and he wasn't able to the first little bit, created some momentum for the Canucks, and they were able to build off that. But they were. And, you know, you guys mentioned briefly here Casey the Smith. And as I'll be all mentioning, be like, oh, Casey the Smith looked good. Demko hasn't looked as good. But how many odd man chances and breakaways did Minnesota have? Not too yeah. many, right? But one of the things that I like about him, and he gives up some rebound chances. That's kind of been the MO on him as well. But he still finds a way to kind of stand tall. He doesn't lose his post. He, I mean, he's sealed really well. He didn't allow any shots to get through him on the rebounds. I was really impressed with how he held the fourth down tonight, Casey the Smith. There's a lot of skaters we're talking about here. And, Randy, we mentioned earlier, you know, because they had played with the lead, this result doesn't happen without a fantastic effort from Casey DeSmith, right? If it's one nothing, okay, sure, maybe the Canucks wake up and or in the early going and, and they ultimately do come through this. But what he did in the first 14 minutes, absolutely instrumental with how they win tonight. And that's why he was the first star, and they really needed it. There's all those rebound chances and, and, and net front jams. He was massive. This game cannot be talked about without Casey DeSmith. Totally. Early on in that game, and Erickson Eck and, and a few other others players, like even late in this game, there's a couple opportunities in tight. But one, one area I want to give the team credit to, Minnesota had one power play tonight. Mm-hmm. So the ability to actually not, you know, not draw penalties for Minnesota, but credit to the Canucks for not reaching in there. And even the penalty that was called on you, that was a softie, man. That that was, was that's soft not call. a penalty. Yeah, yeah that was uh, a soft call. It, it's like... Even when you're under duress, you still have to play clean, sure. right? And we talk about just make a good pass, get it out of the zone, but no penalty. Like again, that's not a penalty to me. Yeah, the the fact they were that clean and and not conceding penalties and, and putting the, the PK under duress and the goalie that that's huge. Like you, you can still win even if you're hemmed in. And a lot of those things are also just skating, right? Sometimes you start taking those lazy penalties when you're reaching. Or they weren't doing that tonight. They were they're especially in that second and third period. They're bringing that effort. They're bringing that skating. And I'm sure the coach. Talked about puck watching, maybe not having communication, right. all of those things. So I think they're on their their best uh, behavior this time around, uh, outside of the first period, outside of the 14 minutes. But they they turned it around pretty quick. So I think, especially looking at this team and what they've done before they came to Vancouver, you know, Minnesota was confident. 4-0, new coach, you get the whole bump. Uh, power plays red hot. PK was doing well. There should be a should be a win that the Canucks feel good about themselves after the third period. One of the first net front scrambles, I, I think, it may have even been the first one of of Eric Sinek. Just talking about not puck watching, Hronik. It goes right to the front of the net, and Spurgeon is the one that gets to the net. And Hronik just takes Spurgeon and just like lifts the stick and just kind of pushes him out of the way. And you think it's like you just turned your back on the puck and Eric Sinek is jamming away. But it was one of those things of, okay, are you going to handle what you can handle? Right. And Have somebody it, else can, it, it's yeah. a goalie's job to take that one and hope someone crashes in on Eric Sinek. It was just an interesting moment to see, okay, what's the focus tonight? And certainly uh, in that one, you know, Hronik doesn't get caught between two spaces. and Take somebody away at least. Just eliminate that guy. And yeah. he certainly did. And it just kind of spoke to how they were in the defensive zone, even when they were under pressure. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox. Hans says, hashtag black pads forever. And uh, <laughs> it obviously worked out for him. But final one, and we'll throw this by you, Randy, before we let you go. Alex from Chilliwack. Who's our netminder on Saturday? Personally, I think it's likely Demko, but wouldn't mind giving DeSmith a few either. Let Demko have a bit of a reset. Hey, sometimes you see a goalie get a shutout, gets another start. I'd imagine it's going to be Thatcher Demko, but would you be surprised if DeSmith gets the call on Saturday? Yes, I would be. I would be surprised. Yeah, I, I love the way Thatcher's, you know, all of a sudden you look at, sure, the, the save percentage takes a bit of a dip, and we're saying, what have you done for me lately? Uh, so, no, I, I expect to see Thatcher 
uh, on Saturday night, but we'll see what the coach has in mind. We'll see what the coach has to say. Let's go outside the Canucks locker room. We're joined by Brock Bester after 2 nothing Canucks win on home ice over the Minnesota Wild. And, Brock, I know it's always special to, to play the Minnesota Wild, but how did you think you guys bounced back, uh, especially after the first few minutes in the first? Yeah, they, they came out and they made a strong push there the first 10 minutes of the first period. And, um you know, I thought we got got it going that last 10 minutes, and then from there on out, I thought we played a pretty good, solid hockey game as a group. Yeah, you come out of the first period with a lead there, uh, thanks to Niels Hoaglander's goal, but you pl- provided a great pass on that. Like, what did you see in that moment as as that play was developing? Um, I just saw Mizey. You know, they had some pressure on Mizey, and um, you know, I just thought I could see the ice a little bit better, and uh, I just saw Hogs wide open, but I didn't realize it was going to be an odd man rush. But Hogs made a good play there. I. Uh, Hoaglander's the new uh, member on that line. What do you think of his uh, first night with you guys? Oh, yeah, I thought he did a good job tonight. Um, you know, Hogs, uh, his game has been great so far this year, and he's one of those guys that's a little guy. Um, he's he's quick, so he gets in on the forecheck, and he's so good with the puck down low. So he's been great, and um, we'll see if we can build off it. I know you guys didn't uh, you know, score on the power play, but you guys created some chances on the opportunities you've had the past few games. It's been going in, in a bit more. How do you feel the power play is coming along? Yeah, um, we know that um, we could be a little bit better as of late, and I thought we had some good looks tonight. We got that zone time, got chances, and um, you know we were right there. So um, I think that was a step in the right direction, and now we got to continue to build off that. Yeah, you were in winning board battles all over the place. Your stick was in passing lanes. Like, how much pride do you take in that aspect of the game of, of just being engaged uh, throughout the evening? Yeah, I think you know that's the part of the process that we talk about. You got to be good defensively in order to you know get get uh, in the offensive zone and um, even, you know, for the coaches to trust you and put you out at, at the end of games. And um, I know our, you know, me and Millsy and whoever's with us, we haven't been as, as good of late and been giving up uh, too many goals. So we uh, really wanted to have a good game defensively and go from there. Brock, what changed in the second period? There's a lot of fans testing in. Just curious what happened with the start and is it a function of playing with the lead or is it something that you guys changed of how great that final 40 was? I think we just weren't breaking pucks out cleanly in the first 10 minutes of the first period and um, I think you could see as the game went on we started breaking the pucks out, communicating, working with each other and you know we got some odd man rushes out of it and and got some good looks, and you know, as a result of breaking pucks out clean, we we're in the offensive zone more. So, uh, I think that's kind of what we cleaned up to, to help us uh, be better. Uh, what else can you say about Casey the Smith uh, and the job he's done as your backup this year? Oh, he's been fantastic. You know, he's uh, he's a guy that's played a lot of games, and um, you know, every time he gets in the net, we we have faith in him, and um, you know, he's a great guy. So I'm happy for him. Hey, Brock, thanks so much for your time. Best of luck on Saturday yep. against the Canes. Thanks, guys. All right, that is Canucks forward Brock Bester after two nothing Canucks win on home home ice over the Minnesota Wild. Randy, great stuff as always. Calling the game alongside Brendan Bachelor tonight. We look forward to chatting with you again very soon. I'm I'm disappointed we didn't ask Brock. If we, he thought he uh, Casey DeSmith would get the start on Saturday. Oh, we, I'm I sure we're him up with that. I know. Too, I, should, I should have asked him. You know no, what? It's all good. That's, it's, it's a soft question. I'll try to find him downstairs and ask him. <laughs> good call. Sounds good. Should have thrown it by him. All right, great stuff. That's Randy Janna. Keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber Text Inbox 650-650. You can grab a phone line 604-280-0650 or toll free 1-888-275-0650 and hit us up on our Dunbar Lumber Text Inbox 650-650. More of your thoughts. We'll hear from head coach Rick Tockett and more analysis from this Canucks 2-0 win over the Wild right here on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Hartman passes into the near corner for Connor Dewar, who couldn't handle the puck, but Hartman gets it again down low. He's hit by Juleson into the boards. Passes behind the net for Duhame. Centers in front. A great save by DeSmith on a one-time chance in the slot by Connor Dewar. And Andre Kuzmenko, back to the puck, is able to get it out to center ice. And another chance right down Main Street, right above the blue paint for the Minnesota Wild. Close call for the Canucks yet again. they got to tighten up and protect the house better than they've done halfway through this period. Casey DeSmith holding the minute at the moment. Casey the Smith, stellar between the pipes, massive save, and that is tonight's play of the game brought to you by Delaney's OK Tire Langley here on the Canucks Central Post Game Show on Home of Your Canucks Sportsnet 650. A 2-0 Vancouver win over the Minnesota Wild. Casey DeSmith getting the shutout between the pipes, and he was particularly good, Bick, in that first period. And I'll maintain, the Canucks were not good in the first. Absolutely not. They were uh, under siege, took them nearly 14 minutes to get their first shot on goal even. But they were keeping things to the outside for the most part. But there was a number of times that Casey DeSmith had to come up with a big save in close. And he and he was very tight to his post. Nothing got through him. He deflected and, and took care of rebound opportunities and, and with again, ease tonight. Tight to the shooter, right? Because yeah. if you sit too deep, the angles change, and he's right on top of them. So in those situations, if, if the pad's right there and the puck's right there and the shooter's right there, I, I like that he battles that hard, and he's willing to be that aggressive because it's hard to lift it after yeah. that. You're, you're hoping it just kind of rolls up the pad and sneaks in behind, and maybe someone sweeps it in there. So, uh, you know, his aggressiveness, because he is very aggressive, and, and you just see him get to the top of the crease, it it's really plays well in those moments. What, and his aggressiveness was backed up with their teammates, especially with how they collapse in front of the net. There's no backdoor plays. The Canucks did a pretty good job of boxing guys out and contesting in front of the net and not letting guys be able to pass the puck. It was There, there wasn't a lot of ch- chances for guys to move the puck around the net. It was more about trying to jam it in past them, which I think is a lot easier to defend than all of a sudden getting stretched out. So I thought for the most part they kept things to the outside. But if it wasn't for Casey DeSmith, those first 14 minutes of that game, this could have been a completely different outcome. So fantastic performance from him between the pipes. And that was your play of the game brought to you by Delaney's OK Tire Langley. Drive through winter with confidence by switching to Toyo Tires, making tires for your road. Visit Delaney's OK Tire today on Fraser Highway in Langley. Uh, Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. You can grab a phone line as well, 604-280-0650. We are going to get to the phone boards coming up in just a moment, Bick, but let's run through some text messages. A lot of thoughts flooding in here tonight after a 2-0 Canucks victory. 650-650. Keep getting your texts in. This one, uh, what's going on with the slow start so they're not warming up hard enough or not properly preparing properly for the game. I understand how it happens from time to time, but it is getting too common, uh, certainly. But, you know, the good thing is the, these things aren't really extending uh, prolonged into the second period. It, it's, look, it, it's a fair thing to wonder uh, why it hasn't been good, but they are tied uh, for goal differential in the second period set at plus 16 with the Dallas Stars, and they continue as well thriving closing out games. Last year, when leading after two, now there weren't a lot of opportunities, but they, they were 21-1-4, closing out games. So, again, 21 wins in doing so. So far this year, they're already 14-0-0 when leading after two. 
Haven't lost yet, leaving, leading after two. So, yes, the, the, the starts are a problem, but at least they're finishing strong. Absolutely. And I think they've done a good job of, of, of doing that. Somebody texted in and said, was that winning hockey from the Canucks tonight? So, I don't think it was early in this game. Um, even throughout the game, there's still room for improvement. Like, I don't, I don't look at this game and say, you know what? This is a fantastic performance. In terms of how they defended, however, and some of the things they did through the neutral zone tonight, I think it was closer to being winning hockey. But obviously, they still have some work to do, especially their starts. Like you mentioned, they've done a good job of closing the games out. Do you get off to better starts? And you can't be on your heels for as long as the Canucks have been. Sometimes teams will make you pay for that. Tonight, the Canucks got away with it, the first 14. But if you let a team lean on you that way for 13, 14 minutes, sometimes the floodgates break open. And that didn't happen tonight. So I can't call it winning hockey in terms of the complete performance. But they had elements that that were relatable to winning hockey, especially in the final 40 minutes of this game. Elements that were relatable. They're second cousins with winning. Yeah, second cousins. That's basically what you're <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're a cousin. They're, they're, uh, winning is their cousin. Winning hockey is their cousin oh, right man. now, at least. Uh, Getting closer to it. Yeah, look, it, it's, it's the second period commitment that, that carries over into the third. Of, yeah. I do wonder, though, how much... You know, being in the lead influences this, and it's something we've seen from them so far this year. Like in game states, they've been leading forty-five percent of the time. Mm-hmm. They have been tied twenty-eight percent of the time. They've been trailing twenty-five percent of the time. So the game states have been lending themselves to playing a certain brand, which probably is more to the style they want to play. I, I just wonder if if we have to see them chase games, which we don't. Don't have to see them very often. They've gotten good goaltending to begin the year uh, and, and and to begin games. So you should, you try to play to the game to the personality of the game that's that it's having tonight. It was more than enough because they capitalized on that opportunity for Hoaglander, and then they wind up kind of shutting that game down the rest of the way. Yeah, no, I, and, I, and I like the way they shut this game out. And you know, certain elements you can do a lot better at. And the reality is, the opponents allowed to have a good game too. This is what this text says. Many were on a five-game winning streak, right? Ferraro says you, you talk about playing sixty minutes, but the other team is also trying to win. Mm-hmm. It's nearly impossible in the NHL to carry it pillar to post, uh, post to post. And I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. But I would say that you also can't go nearly 14 minutes in the first period without getting a shot on goal. 11 minutes for a shot attempt. Yes, 11. Yeah, they had one shot. They had two shot attempts through 14 minutes. So, and, and that's the element. I get the other team's allowed to play well. Mm-hmm. You can't be that f- far off the pace for long stretches, right? And I give them a lot of credit. I thought they played well in the final two periods. The G-Man says uh, their last two periods were very clean and structured. They played well. I agree with the final 40 minutes. I, I the think the part. biggest thing is the mentality of it. Because I think last season and, and seasons before, that type of period would have sucked them into a negative space and be like, oh, here we go again, here we yeah. go again. But you see the in-game corrective uh, measures happen where tonight, okay, they got a good reward with the gold. Maybe that changes things. But you've seen it enough this season where they're able to make the adjustment in-game that these bad stretches don't extend too far. And it, it's a reflection that, you know, we're sitting here. We always say, you know, good teams don't lose three in a row and all that sort of stuff. They haven't done that this year. And even within these games, when they have these dreadful periods, there haven't been a lot of games where it's extended all the way through. Sometimes they've been outmatched, like Colorado or Vegas. It happens, In right? moments, yes. But, like, the, the Philly game of a true 60-minute, like, oh, man. 
that was rough. They're, they're, well, the, the Golden Knights game was pretty tough. But again, that to me was like you were just outmatched. You were outmatched, yes. yes. I, I, I will say, like, I think they the effort was there. Oh, the battle against, against Vegas. Vegas. But, but they you were just, just... Like, that, that was a team that's among the elite going at, like, 9 out of 10. And, like, the coach said, maybe played their best game of the season. Yeah. And the Canucks weren't up to par. But outside, you're right. Like, outside of maybe two or three games we can point to and say, hey, they were really off the pace... They've for the even that Toronto game for the first half of the game. They I were was just in trying it. to think. Toronto's probably the next closest one I look at. Maybe the Calgary game, where, where they lose in Calgary, but like Philly's the only one that really jumps out. That it's like, well, you just weren't prepared tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of them, they they at least tried to within the game correct it because even the San Jose game where they lose four three, uh, certainly losing to that team is not something you you look at and you say, oh, this is a, a an effort that that was. You know, credible. Um, they they scored early in that game and scored late in that game. There was somewhat of an effort, but uh, th- you know, like those are really the only games that jump out to me. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, uh, before we go to the phone boards, this text comes in from Will in Kelowna. Garland five million per year. Not sure why you get a free pass from the media. Playmaker, give me Kuzmenko anytime. I- I've criticized Garland a lot. He was terrific tonight. Garland was terrific tonight. He got he got he got an assist. He almost had another assist set up Dakota Joshua. Won a bunch of puck battles. That line, the Bluger Joshua Garland line, was by far the Canucks' best line tonight. I don't think you can criticize Garland's performance really. Maybe he doesn't get enough shots through. Maybe sometimes or whatever. But he had a primary assist. He had a bunch of good play. You know, like the text mentioned before, he was a playmaker tonight. Like I, I thought he was. I don't I don't think you can criticize Connor Garland tonight. He got fifty percent of his shots through tonight, so I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I'm just saying, yeah, but fifty percent, not bad, not bad. <laughs> I'll give him that. I'll give him that. All right, we'll get back to more of your text messages, and we'll hear from the head coach as soon as that audio becomes available to us. But let's continue and go to the phone board, 604-280-0650. And let's start things off uh, by going to John and Poco. John, thanks for calling in. Uh, what are your thoughts tonight? Oh, hey, Santa, and Vicky. Just, yeah, just you sort of alluded to it, Santa. I'm, you know, like, you know, it's nice that they got back in the win column after that. You know that disappointing loss against New Jersey, but you, you know one disturbing trend, um, you know that I've noticed lately is they're just not the, the lack of shots. You know they're just not generating for a team that's leading the you know the league in goals. You know the, 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 the times they try to be a bit too cute, and I mean you know you should be able at this level to at least average thirty shots a game, and I mean seventeen shots just isn't enough uh, with with you know the you know the firepower that they've got. Um, so I just like you know early in the season they were getting lots of shots and um, and it's not even a matter of whether they get out shot by a team it's just that you know under twenty shots just isn't acceptable I think you know at, uh, at this stage of the game so just interested to see what you feel about that thanks hey, thanks for the phone call John hey, somebody else texted into and and then said should it be a concern Noonan is a shot count concerning or is it just me it seems real low these last few games didn't even crack 20 tonight and we're giving the Bronx cheer in the first when Mikheyev got the first shot on goal for the team tonight it has been down a bit the volume typically I'm not I don't really care about volume as much as I care about creating some quality chances it may go hand in hand in terms of overall Mm -hmm. the more you'd create the more quality chances can come out of it I don't think the Canucks created a ton they had a few good opportunities tonight I think a couple of their opportunities don't count as high dangers because they had a couple two-on-one chances where no shot came off and that doesn't technically count Joshua doesn't get a shot Hoaglander doesn't get a shot so it doesn't technically count as a chance but I do think that's one thing this team could do better of is create quality looks the shots sure it's more about creating quality scoring chances for me. 
to John's point, we were talking about this earlier on Canuck Central uh, when I joined you and uh, Dan Riccio. It's, you know, the, the type of offense that they're trying to create, it's such hard work. It's such hard work that the, there's not a lot of, hey, give this puck to a, a winger blazing down the, the flank and he takes it to the net. For instance, Quinn Byfield tonight scored a, a great goal where he takes it in stride yeah. at the blue line and just lowers the shoulder, races past the D-man, takes it all the way to the far post and slides it in. Man, we don't see a lot of those chances. If it's not coming from JT Miller like he did against Colorado, we just don't see a lot of players on this team that can do that. And so all these chances are put it to the net, try to get a rebound, just grind. And I think it'll translate well to the playoffs, but you know, there's an element that fans want exciting hockey uh, throughout the course of the 82 games that you're going to see. And you know the, the stakes in the playoffs elevate the excitement because of these chances that you know puck gets fl- flung to the middle of the ice and you can try to whack in a rebound or, or, or get a tip in. That's exciting come playoff time because of the stakes. But right now, it can be tough to watch and it can be hard to accept that there's going to be a natural scoring chance uh, generated. You know, at, at times it re- it's really just like Quinn Hughes when he does that rotation with Philip Pronick and trying to create something, especially with Elias Pettersson not really going right now. It's there are moments when you look and say, okay, where the, where's the natural scoring ability on this team? And it, it's a conversation we, we've been having. No, and outside of Pettersson, Pardee texts in uh, and says, "What did he say here? I just lost a text message." Uh, but says something along, along the lines of, uh, "Time to put Pedersen on the milk carton. Seventeen minutes of not so much is he even worth eleven and a half million. One point five more than Jack Eichel. And that's been a common theme coming up a lot more recently with his lack of production re- lately. Is he uh, creating enough? Is he doing enough for a guy that's looking to get a huge contract?" It's a fair question. I, this is the thing I've said about Pedersen, I'll, I'll, and I'll maintain it right now. Every time he's gone through bad stretches, has he not turned out to be a better player for it out of it? He's still a player who's, what, 25 years old? Has he even turned 25? Mm-hmm. So we're talking about a guy who's not even close to being at his peak yet. He's a couple years younger than Jack Eichel. Up until about last year, there were questions about Jack Eichel as well. Can he play winning hockey? Where's his game at? Is he producing enough? And we all kind of know where Jack Eichel is at now. I'd still invest in this player, and I'd say that over time, you'll see him be better than what he's shown so far this season. But to what you mentioned, Canucks not creating enough looks, not enough quality. Well, their most quality player up front has been struggling to create scoring chances recently. Uh, I would say, if, if and look, I know it's a small sample size, but I think we've seen enough of Elias Pettersson's career. If you're wondering what the price tag, go rewatch the first 10 games again. Not just because of the production where it was 19 points a game. You could probably extend it to the first 13, 14 games as well. But those first 10 games came out of the season, hair on fire, was doing everything, 19 points in 10 games. This season, you've seen what a peak Elias Pettersson looks like. And I think like outside of the locker room and outside of Rick Tockett, a lot of us are very comfortable saying, boy, it looks like he's playing through something. And Rick Tockett's kind of alluded to it at times. I, I think you just have to wait this out. I, I know that's tough to hear. Those fans you know, want to see a 100-point season all over again. But this idea that he's not a $10-plus million player I think is frankly ridiculous. Until you see a healthiest version of him, and maybe it doesn't happen this year, I don't know. But you've seen seven weeks ago how good this guy can be. 
I'm stunned at the level of impatience, even when the team is having success. If the team was floundering and they're sub-500, the questions would be coming far more frequently. But if your demand is, oh, I don't know if this guy's $11 million players, this team is winning. They've managed to get enough points where you can live through a little bit of a slump through Elias Pettersson. And eventually, it's going to turn around. It's going to turn around in a big way. Sat, we had this conversation two years ago. And fans were like, oh, well, this guy's not very good. And you and I sat here in January, and we said, this guy's going to get a career high this year. Or he's going to clip 60 points. And I was like, there's no chance. And sure enough, he got 68, and he beat his career high. And so I was like, oh, he was fairly fantastic from the All-Star game onwards. Mm-hmm. It'll turn around. I'm expecting the same thing when it comes to Elias Patterson's game. Ultimately, his contract, different story, and one, obviously, that the chapter has not yet been finalized, and we'll see how that all goes. As far as the head coach is concerned, well, the Canucks won 2 nothing. and here he is meeting with the media postgame and talks about how his team performed tonight. Yeah, it's, I mean, uh, what's it, two weeks since he's played? That's what Casey does. You know, he's done that in his career where he's had inactivity. So, yeah, he was solid tonight for us. How about... For the team, after maybe not the best start, responding well in the second and third, what did you make of the overall performance? Uh, yeah, I mean they had some shots, and we didn't have we didn't really have the puck the first ten minutes, and then we started going through guys, and we started our neutral was better for some reason we're backing up, um, and then uh, you know they had, you know they had a couple of good chances. I don't think it was uh, you know, I don't look at the shot uh, clock like you guys do. I look at chances, and I, yeah, they had the puck a lot, but I thought we were okay under the fact. Early on, sleeping a little bit, um, but I thought the second and the third, you know, uh, we played our game. We had the day off yesterday. Maybe that was something. I don't know. I felt like that second period was one of your better. You talked yeah. about scoring chances. Hard to count one, it felt like, in that period. How proud of you are the group to sticking to something? Like, what was it that they stuck to in that second period? That well, it was our neutral side. We were backing up for something the first, and, you know, and we, were, we were coming off. We were guessing, like, when you go out a guy, he passes, you go this way. Instead of, like, marking your guy going through guys, sometimes we get in that habit. And when we started doing that, uh, being a little sticky on people, and then obviously gap it up. Not not so much the defenses, our forwards. We were backing up, and I, I hate when our de- when our forwards backward skate. And I didn't see backward skate in the second and third. And that's the difference how you you control the game, get, or get, at least get back in the game. Even before they can get to the neutral zone, I felt like your defensemen were just like smart pinches. Yeah, of, especially the, even third period, you guys are up by two, and they're still pinching to keep the puck in. Like, how important is it to stay aggressive? Is that what you're looking for? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you, you don't want to like prevent defense. You you, you know, obviously, you got to be responsible. Your F three better be above. Everybody's got to be above. Then your D can pinch, and that's what I saw, uh, especially in the second and third. And you get a goal from Niels Huglander again. Um, what's been working so well with him? having you as a coach or whatever, the way you're playing in the lineup, it just seems like this is the best we've seen him in the NHL. Yeah, I thought he uh, I thought he had a lot of energy. He gave that, that line energy. And you know what? Um, they were a hard matchup against, uh, obviously, 97 of their team's hell of a hockey player. And I thought he held his own. Like, uh, that was a good step for Hoggy playing in his own end against, a, 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 you know, their top line. So if Hoggy can chip at that, it's, uh, you know, I don't know what he got, 15, 16 minutes, but he played some... D zone stuff where he had to, you know, you got to defend. I thought he did a hell of a job. Just, uh, just one penalty against tonight. You must be yeah. pretty happy with the discipline and all that. Yeah, the stick penalties. We, we last couple of games, we were, we were keeping our sticks down. Um, we were getting a little, you know, the last four or five games, we had a lot of hooking and stuff. And I think that we've got that out of our game. 
Um, and you're checking with your feet. It's when you're getting those stick penalties, you're checking with your stick. So, um, yeah, the discipline was good tonight. The the Bluger line obviously yeah. has been playing well, but what is it in particular about those three that, that seems to be clicking right now? I think hash mark down is what they're at their best. You know, I think uh, Dakota's. You know, the way he's been playing for us where he's getting a lot of loose pucks and then Garland's feeding off him, you know, and hash mark down. And then Teddy plays that safety valve for us. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, I think it's a chemistry line where they're just hash mark down. They're really good. That's where they get a lot of their chances is hash mark down. Uh, very rarely to the last in the last 10 games, I don't see – when we do those game reviews, very rarely that line's on from like – in our diesel making mistakes, they're they're pretty mistake free. So yeah, that's because they play the hash mark down game, which is which is important for our team. With this group, in in recent years, if you've gone through a lull uh, over a ten game stretch, they might get you know two wins or yeah. you know one and one. The fact that you've managed to get five of these, right? What does that say that even when you're not playing the way you'd like them to play consistently, they're still getting some results? Yeah, I mean that's you're going to go through. You're right. Those lulls and you know the inconsistency is, and if you can stay away those three, four, five, six game losing streaks, uh, and so far you know we we haven't done, you know we we're not into that mode, um, you know. It, it builds confidence because you know when you're tired or you're not playing well, sometimes you can hang in there. And um, what I was proud about those time, this team is when you you go after them. You know, obviously, we, I, you know, I went after them. I didn't like the some of the stuff the last month. Uh, they've always responded. You know, I'm not saying because I go after them they respond. It's just I think it's because of them. They take it to heart. You know, we didn't play. You know, we were okay against Jersey, but we, you know, we gave up too many. Like um, great A's early on, and then they responded. You know, obviously the, the start was a little tough, but I thought after that we just managed the game. That's a, it's nice to be behind the bench and just get guys out there knowing we're going to manage the game. It was really it was a nice effort. You're in the midst of a, a grind portion of your schedule yeah. here. You're going to be playing every other night here, even though it's at home, and then you've got a real tough road trip. How do you continue to manage and, and get through that right now? Because there's no end in sight. Yeah, I, I think you rely on you know the science part of it, but also that your gut feeling. I just felt after the Jersey game, I think the day off won us this game. Like, uh, you know, we, we we were supposed to practice yesterday, and uh, I just had a gut feel, you know, you know, and I thought it was, uh, I thought the guys needed it, and they responded. So those are the sort of calls of the coach. You're like, oh, thank God I made the right call because um, they needed that day off. You talked this morning about this being impressed with their self-awareness and yeah. accountability. So in that balance in coaching by feel, what's next? How do you string some wins together? What's the balance in challenging the group um, and then pushing that accountability? Well, I think the hard part is, like, it's, you know, it's that's a hard-fought game. That's they, they, That team's won four or five in a row. We have to play a certain style, and they're a hot team. We got to do the same thing, you know. You got to be above a guy, you know. We got to be smart pinches, you know. You got to clear the net. Like those are hard things to do. And as much as I love the game tonight, we got to wipe it clean and come to work tomorrow and be ready for Carolina. You know, tough game. So it's hard to be consistent. It's really hard to, to do the, those little things every time. I think it's probably one of the best I've seen our team change too. I loved our changes tonight. I thought the shifts were 30, 35. I didn't see an extended. Set. I think that helped us win the game. So, but once again, it's hard to do, right? It's you know you gotta you gotta do it again. Is that getting that first twenty minutes up to the level that we saw the the last forty? Is that continuing to be a mindset thing? Like, how do you as a coach? Mm-hmm draw that out of them when 
you know, everyone seems to be bought in and, and on that page wanting it. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I coach, sometimes it's on me. I got to change the routine, maybe uh, something to help the team maybe start on time. We didn't, you know, we didn't start on time, but you know, sometimes it's on me. I got to maybe switch it up, switch some practice drills or maybe some meeting times, less meetings. Um, so uh, sometimes, you know, us coaches have to look at like, you know, what do I do? What can I do as a coach to help the team start a little quicker? So um, we'll look at that too. Rick, you talked about the defenseman pinching. Is that their call, or is there input from the coaching staff during the course of the game in terms of how aggressive you want them to be? Yeah, it's well, it's their call if if the scenario you know is there. You know, if if uh, you know if we have people in spots that we should have them, I want us to be aggressive. Um, but you know, obviously, um, sometimes we're you know the deal go in. And not checking to see if our man's there, then it gets irresponsible. But also, too, our forward's got to be there for the defense. So it's kind of a, you know, I don't say like we're up to nothing in five minutes. I, I, you know, maybe some coaches I don't is like nobody pinches. I don't believe in that because I think you have to stay with your system. But you better be 100% sure, or at least, you know, high percentages before you pinch for sure. Rick, uh, it seemed like it maybe wasn't your team's cleanest night in terms of uh, breaking the puck out, a lot of icings, um, you know, pucks that weren't always getting out yet. When it came to true grade-A chances, it didn't seem like you guys allowed a lot um, and probably had, you know, the greater share of them on, on the night as a whole. What do you think that says about uh, your team? Yeah, I agree with you. I thought uh, we had a ton of chance of grade-A's. Um, yeah, I think sometimes it's the breakouts, sometimes it, it, it's – and I don't hate to say it, like it's individual sometimes. Like a couple of guys have chances to make a play and whether they iced it. I think we iced it a couple of times where we should have made the play. But overall, I thought it wasn't too bad. But you're right. I think um, sometimes when part of your game is whether you struggle or you don't, maybe sometimes you don't see it. I thought the structure of not giving them a lot uh, in the middle of the ice. Yeah, they had some wraparounds. They had some chance to get me around. Casey was awesome. But I thought for the most part, the great A's weren't, you know, it was really egregious, like in like against New Jersey. I thought we 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 really tightened that up. How about shutting down their top players too, especially and and the job that the Miller line did, kind of in that matchup role tonight. Yeah, I thought uh, that line did a nice job. You know, he's a hell of a player. He's, you got you know, we had we spent a bit of little time on pre scout. He, he he hides around, and then all of a sudden he's by the net. So I thought we I thought the D with Millsy and I think PD's line had a couple of time shifts with him. Um, a committee did a nice job of shutting him down. Talking about defenseman pinching and the forwards yeah. needing to read that situation as well. Is the Blue goal a good example of that? I think it was Juleson that pinches in, but Joshua and Garland are both back, and it turns into a scoring chance at a goal for you. Yeah, that's a, that's that's what I'm talking about. It's it's really you know if you're connected. Um, it's a fun way to play. I mean, all, a lot of teams play, you know, they, they, they pinch. I mean, we've played teams that are a heavy pinching team. And when you can't get the puck out, it demoralizes your team, you know, when you're just, you know, keeping the puck up, keeping the puck in. So I think, you know, that was a big one for us, you know, um, you know, that second goal. You know, you know, you go one nothing going into anything that happens. So getting that second goal really helped us. That is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 2-0 shutout win over the Minnesota Wild. Happy with his team's performance. We'll break down some of the things he had to say on the other side, plus more of your thoughts on the text inbox and the phone board, 604-280-0650 or 650-650 on our Dunbar Lumber text inbox. It's Satin Bick on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Talking all Canucks all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Wild turn the other way. Rossi. Left wing for Kaprizov. Into the slot. Vancouver zone. Tied up by Myers and Miller. Lost the puck. And Besser's got it deep in his own end. Nice feed ahead to Hoaglander with lots of room to skate into. Zadorov up in the rush. Chance for a three on two. Hoaglander right wing. Trying to shot. He scores! Niels Hoaglander bulges the twine for a second straight game. And the Canucks take an improbable 1-0 lead in the final two minutes of the first. I thought he had a lot of energy. He gave that, that line energy. And you know what? Um, they were a, ma- a hard matchup against, uh, obviously, 97 of their team's hell of a hockey player. And I thought he held his own. Like, uh, that was a good step for Hoggy playing in his own end against, a, 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 you know, their top line. So... If Hoggy can chip at that, it's, uh, you know, I don't know what he got, 15, 16 minutes, but he played some D-zone stuff where he had to, you know, you got to defend. I thought he did a hell of a job. Canucks win 2-0 on home ice over the Minnesota Wild, and this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. You can grab a phone line, 604-280-0650. We are going to get to your phone calls, so hang, to your, hang on to your lines. Coming up in just a moment, we'll hit some text messages as well. Dunbar Lumber, 650-650. But quickly, the head coach mentioned Niels Hoaglander. Very happy with his performance tonight, and I thought the Miller... Besser line with Hoaglander tonight had one of their better games. Somebody texted into and said how uh, Miller blocked six shots tonight. So he was absolutely sacrificing his body as well defensively. And I thought this was one of the better games they had as a line. And a lot of that is contributed to the spunk that Niels Hoaglander had this evening. Just an injection of speed really helps that line. And yeah, JT Miller uh, winds up with six block shots today. An outrageous pass to Brock Besser on the breakaway that he doesn't convert. Uh, hits the post on. And you know, JT was good once again. And also we talked to Brock and, and just see the, the element that Hoaglander provides. Uh, you know, don't think he did anything to take him off the line. You, we were talking earlier on Canuck Central. I thought, you know, three and a half games. Let's see how it goes. He probably earned himself another couple of games uh, of a look here in the top six. So, yeah. uh, And getting the goal was massive. And I, I like the patience that he showed in that play. Waiting to yeah. get Zadorov back into the play. And, and he Zdorov drove the net. To the net yeah. And kind of takes away the eyes of Gustafson. So, uh, you know, Hoaglander continues uh, the audition to stay in the top six. And keeps uh, Kuzmenko at bay. Uh, some heady praise. Somebody texted in and said, Hoaglander is giving me Chris Higgins vibes. Honestly, Chris Higgins, if he can do what Chris Higgins did That'd be for amazing. a career. I mean, yeah. and not, I'm t- not talking about him being the 30-goal scorer he was, mm-hmm. high 20s, more about winning a lot of battles along the boards, getting 15 to 20 goals, being a strong middle six player, perhaps can play up your lineup at times. So not a bad example of what Hoaglander can do if he keeps rounding his game out and playing with more consistency. A strong game tonight, and the coach giving him a lot of praise. All right, let's go to the phone boards, and let's start things off in Towasson, where we have Mike on the line. Mike, buddy, what's going on? We, oh, we, dropped, we dropped Mike, but let's go to Aiden in Nanaimo. Aiden, thanks for calling in. What are your thoughts tonight? Hey, how's it going? Um, yeah, so I thought overall, besides the first, you know, 10, 14 minutes of that first period, Canucks played an overall okay game. Um, it was a really good decision that they played DeSmith. I think Demko definitely needed a break. I think he was getting um, overworked for sure. Um, you know what? Uh, good two solid points there for the team. Um, hopefully that uh, they still have, uh, I think, two two more games at home coming up. Hopefully they can get uh, four out of the four points there. And 
but as uh as the first guy was calling it and i hope uh hope their shots and their uh offense gets more there because 17 shots will not will not do it in most games they got uh lucky for sure tonight so Hey, thanks for the phone call, Aiden. And the Canucks have three more games of home ice on this homestand. Hurricanes on Saturday, the Tampa Bay Lightning on Tuesday, and the Florida Panthers on Thursday, which should be a lot of fun with Roberto Luongo uh, being inducted into the Ring of Honor on the 20, December 14th. So that's coming up next Thursday, a week from tonight, the Canucks and Panthers. But, yeah, it, you know, Right now, the Canucks, obviously, they lost their last game on home ice. This was a big game to pick up. These next three games are not easy. Tampa's kind of gone up and down a bit, but we saw them bounce back recently, playing a lot better. Florida is now healthy. They look like they're a mean piece of business. And as much as the Canes have had their struggles, they lost tonight after dropping a 2 nothing lead against the Calgary Flames. I would imagine they're going to be pretty motivated uh, on Saturday as well, having lost a bad one against Edmonton. And losing Brindamore a lead. had some things to say post-game today as well. So you, they're going to be fired up. It's not going to be an easy three games. So tonight was a pretty pivotal victory here for the Canucks in this homestand. Yeah, it's going to be challenging. Uh, Tampa Bay coming in a couple of games as well. So uh, they're always uh, a fun viewing as well. Important to get this one. Uh, and, and they need to start getting off of this win one lose one kind of train here they are you know seven and seven in the last 14 games after such a thriving 13 games to start the season so you know you have a good homestand here and get ready for this road trip uh, f- uh four gamer uh going through minnesota chicago nashville dallas a little trip through the central division uh, you yeah. know start correcting uh the the schedule your way on home ice before you go in that four gamer would be big. I'd love to see them collect four out of the next six points on home ice. If they could do that, that put them in a good stead heading on out on that road trip, which also isn't necessarily going to be easy either. And in the new year, they have another road trip going out east. Seven gamer, seven gamer. It's not going to be easy. They go uh, to uh, they start things off in St. Louis, and then in New Jersey, New York against the Rangers, then the Dev, uh, then the Islanders, and then uh, they close things off in Pittsburgh and Buffalo and Columbus. So not an easy road trip coming up. So these games on home ice, especially through the Christmas calendar, really big for this Canucks team. Because it's been asked, and you know, talking, I did mention how good Casey DeSmith played, when's the next spot you try to earmark Casey DeSmith in? Is it Minnesota or Chicago? Or is it even before then? But, uh, that's what I wonder about. Uh, I still would imagine we see Demko on Saturday, but I think you're seeing DeSmith on Tuesday at the very least. I think with the way he played, he's playing one of the next two games. DeSmith did play against Florida. Now, that's going to be a special night, as you mentioned. Yeah. So maybe Demko has already Probably gets pe- start. penciled that one in. So uh, maybe you just go you all t- you go uh, Demko, DeSmith, Demko. So DeSmith gets Tampa Bay? Yeah. That, w- that would be my guess. That would be my guess. Demko got that game first time too yeah so that's how i would break that down but it'll be interesting to see you know it's it's one of those things where the way the smith played had to shut out sometimes you see the coach just ride with the guy who had to shut out one more game doesn't mean that he's a starter it's just one of those things uh this text here uh, ricky wrong hoagie was terrible in his own end giveaways outclass hashtag hypocrite uh criticizing the head coach. I thought in the first period... The first period, a lot of people struggled, and Hoaglander like, was one of the, the guys. seal on the yeah. wall, kept the puck in the zone, certainly. Yeah. Um, but like everyone, they improved through the course of the game. But the first period, I, I looked over to Jamie because he was doing the intermissions with me. I was like, oh, this audition might not last very long, but gets the goal. The team was better the rest of the way. And the other thing, who who did something lower than the lineup, most notably Kuzmenko, that you look at and say, 
oh, he's ready to take a spot back or who he's ready to jump back in the lineup. I thought PDG was fine tonight, oh. but Hoaglander gets the goal. Certainly the reward would be stay on that line. And he, hey, he's hot. He's scoring. Is he riding percentages? Yes. But the coach said, either score or do the details. And right now, Hoagnetter has nine games uh, through the season, helping the Canucks out. And we'll see how long he can last in the top six. We'll get to more of your text messages, and we'll get to Ian McIntyre and break down this 2-0 Canucks victory over the Minnesota Wild on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Catch up on what happened in Vancouver sports with Halford and Bruff in the morning. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Joshua digs it loose to the right point for Ian Cole in the Minnesota zone. Spins it behind the wild net. Goligoski back to it in the near corner. Got it up the boards to the line, but not out. Garland holds in middle of the ice. Passes in front for Bluger to the goal. He scores! Beautiful deke by Teddy Bluger sent Gustafson spinning out of the crease and he tucked it into the forehand. The Canucks lead two to nothing. And there's some offense from the third line of the Vancouver Canucks. Canucks with a 2-0 victory on home ice over the Minnesota Wild. Casey DeSmith blanking the Wild, who are on a five-game winning streak. The Canucks get back in the win column after a tough loss against the New Jersey Devils the other night. And this is the Canucks Central postgame show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Satyar Shaw with Pick Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. We are going to hear from Ian McIntyre. We'll get some player audio as well postgame. Uh, Niels Hoaglander, how he felt about the game tonight, and we'll hear from Casey the Smith as well, and perhaps a bit more depending on how much time we have. The game went long tonight, a pretty long delay to uh, change a pane of uh, glass next to the Minnesota Wild bench. It took about 10-11 minutes for that to happen. Uh, Some stoppages in play as well, so the game went pretty long here tonight. A lot of reaction on our text inbox pick, 650-650. This one here says, Bick, stop living in the past. Consistency is worth 11 to 12 million. Not a 15-game slump every single year. That is in relation to Elias Pettersson. And this every one here, year, yeah, every year, 15-game slumps. And this one here says Pettersson could use an impact player. Look who he's played with, Kuzmenko, Mikheyev, Lafferty. Imagine someone like Line or Brat with him, this text message says as well. That's a great text. You don't like a, the first one about that's how That's a great he's, no? text. You know, because Braden Point gets Nikita Kucherov. Sidney Crosby gets Jake Gensel. Um, Nathan McKinnon gets... Miko Rantanen. Austin Matthews gets Mitch Marner. On and on and on and on. Connor McTavid gets Leon Drysaddle sometimes. A lot of guys get star-level players with them as well. And Andre Kuzmenko, 39 goals. He can be a very good goal scorer in this league, okay? But he's also going through a slump right now. And throw in Elias Pettersson. Certainly looks to a lot of people that he's not playing 100%. He'll overcome. He'll overcome. It's going to be okay. And last year, did did Elias Pettersson even have three games without a point last year? I don't think so. I, I think, think it was it was, it was a couple two of two-gamers, yeah. and he's had one three-game without a point this year. But again, I'm using, I think a, a lot of people would say, he probably doesn't look, look entirely healthy. And even when we saw it that one year, what happened come January? They get a little bit of break, all-star yeah. game, and he was phenomenal the rest of the way. And I was like, oh, whoa, those takes in December look pretty odd right now. Same thing as playing out. Just act like you've been through this before. And no, 
keep living in the past. It's because I, I tell you what's going to happen. He's going to end up at 90-some-odd points, and he's going to look fantastic from January onwards. Well, he's still on pace for 103 points on the season. Oh, sorry. I should have shortchanged it. <laughs> I should have said 105 points. Like I mentioned before, he's a player who's, what, 25 years old and has already have, has a 100-point season under his belt, has had a couple of back-to-back 30-plus goal seasons. He's only going to get only going to get better. And a lot of the takes about Pedersen over the past few years, doubting him, have aged poorly. Uh, even when he was drafted, those have aged poorly. And I think at some point you gotta <laughs> you got to give up finding out when you mess around. You know what I mean? And I think that's kind of where it's at right now. Remember when we were doing market downs? i got to start marking down some of these takes here. You should. You should. I'm down. I mean, I know you got the spreadsheets for it. The people who have crossed Bic, do you have that as, as a spreadsheet? No. Not like Steve Buscemi in, uh, <laughs> uh, what movie was that? Billy Madison? Yeah. He was just like writing names down? Unsigned texture with a number ending in, like a line. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this text from Tyler, six blocks for JT means a lot of time in your own zone. That's not so great. I mean, a fair point in general, but also he was out protecting a lead late in the game. And you play on the PK as well. So if you look at uh, how a player blocks shots, it's not just about spending time on your own end. It's also playing at critical times. JT out to protect the lead when uh, Minnesota pulled the goalie out there on the PK. And any time the team was in its own zone, they collapsed on their net and made some uh, and, and he blocked some shots. So I wouldn't view that as a negative necessarily, but... The Canucks did spend a lot of time in their own zone in that first period, and I think that skewed a lot of the numbers because if you look at kind of the shot totals in this game, the only line that really won its matchup based on the shot metrics tonight uh, was the Dakota Joshua, Bluger, Connor Garland line, and also Lafferty, Patterson, and Ilya Mikheyev. Uh, they had the territorial advantage for the most part when they were out there. But outside of those two lines, really, I mean, no team was, no, none of the lines were able to really get sustained zone time as much. But I did think the Hoaglander, Brockbester, JT line, especially in the second, did spend a fair bit of time in the offensive zone. They probably would have had the biggest improvement, right? Because it, it, it yeah. struggled early, and they wind up having a really long shift uh, in the second period. Uh, so, yeah, they they improved quite a bit. Yeah. No, they did. Yeah, improved uh, qu- quite steadily, I'd say. This one here says, Jay and Poco, choo-choo the Elias Pettersson excuse tra- train is in the station. I mean, what do you, what do you, what do you people, what do people want people to, us to say like Elias Patterson's bad don't pay him nine million trade him tomorrow I suppose that's the alternative is that what you want trade Elias Patterson because he's going through a bad spell nobody's here I mean, not he's being, he, he doesn't need to be better there's a difference Obviously between criticizing be a guy and critiquing his game and then going out and saying he's not going to be a good player down the road I mean haven't we seen I remember when this team got off to this great start earlier this season they were 10-2-1 and and we're like hey they're not going to sustain this record people were like how do you know they're not going to sustain this record it's like well it's the hot hand fallacy just because everything's going in now doesn't mean it's going to continue going in and when things aren't going for you doesn't mean it's going to continue not going for you things change you know we've been through this before we've seen these things before like excuses it's no excuses it's just talking about the reality of the situation and how prolific he's been as a scorer still like he's still doing things that very few players that have been that have been drafted playing those many games have done like he's still doing things kind of on pace with guys like austin matthews except for the goal scoring early in his career like like he's already outproduced to this stage of his career a guy like jack eichel now eichel has put his game together and we saw him win a stanley cup and how good he's been no doubt he's also a couple years older than petterson and petterson has already had more prolific scoring seasons than he has so I, I'd say yes, he's played poorly. But if you if if you think he's not a good hockey player, or 
you think that you know people shouldn't defend the long-term prospects of him, then I'd very much say you're out to lunch. Uh, Brandon Napoco, if Bick is indeed living in the past, does it include him having hair? That's that's much <laughs> no, further. In, no, that's, that's much farther in the past. Yeah. Yes, although not that much farther in the past. We get you informed. Nah, it's been a while. Vic looks really different with hair. <laughs> oh man, good good jokes for sixty. Yeah, pretty strong. This one's in Dan and Poco. Sign Bear, trade Myers, use that money to get PD a winger. Simple, not necessarily easy, but simple and obvious. Dan and Poco. See, hang on. Simple. Not easy. Simple, but not easy. I agree with that. It's simple, but it's not easy. Can I just read this text from Hans? He's bad. Pay him $9 million. I don't know what these people are watching. Like, again, that's essentially what you're arguing. You're essentially saying, instead of being the 13th highest paid player in the league at $10 million, make him the 29th most expensive. It's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I don't It's Pinching it's, pennies on... on Nonsense! And look, I can't win every negotiation. Of course, yes. But if you're if you're that worried about Elias Pettersson making eleven point two five versus ten point two five, oh my goodness! Yeah, no. it just it's the the one million dollars for for the the stress free life of having a franchise player ain't worth it. Ain't worth it. No, it's not. It's not. No, man. It, it, I'm, I'm with you. Train in the ridge. Imagine being upset at a guy tied for sixth in league scoring. We as fans get a little too carried away sometimes. EP40 will find his way. Uh, yeah, I agree with those thoughts. Uh, and Papa K says, hey, Bick, you're bang on about PD. Haters going to hate. People need to pump the brakes. Thanks. Uh, K-Man, a.k.a. Papa K. Text Just, again. It, it'll, it's going to take some time, okay? Whatever he's working through, we'll get work through. And I, I imagine, pick a game in January, Sat. Just let, let's all remember that this happened on December 7th. And we can come back here in seven weeks, eight weeks, and say, you know what? Remember what we said on December 7th about this, this Elias Pettersson referendum? I'll, I'll say the St. Louis game, January 24th. Let's come back here. And we'll we'll revisit everything. January twenty fourth. January twenty fourth. Okay. January twenty fourth. And and we'll see where Elias Pettersson is in there. And we had somebody text in. It's like, well, if he's playing hurt, can he at least produce fifty percent of it of of what he did earlier in the season? You're choosing the peak to go. I just I don't know. I'm 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 flummoxed. Listen, the Canucks have been frustrating these past fourteen games. Elias Pettersson hasn't been as good these last fourteen games, and the Canucks' struggles are tied into it, right? That's how it goes. Your best players struggle. Your team is going to struggle. They need him to be better. Can he be better? I'm wagering yes. Bick is wagering a resounding yes. And he gave you a date as well. January 24th. Save the date. Put it in your spreadsheet. Save the date. It's like RSVP. <laughs> the January 24th show is going to be lit. I can't wait. <sighs> Bick's going to be answering everybody yelling at him after that game. You better hope Pedersen's red hot by then. You got a month and you got six weeks. This is like that. I'm going to reference one of our favorite movies, The Big Short. Oh, yes. You know, when the, when the two guys are just like, I, we need to keep doubling down on this. We need to buy more stock. I'm just going to be like, great. You guys are selling Elias Pedersen stock? Give it to me. I'll buy I'll it. I'll buy it 30 cents on the dollar. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Dividends are going to be massive come January 24th. 
Yeah, Bick is not shorting uh, Elias no. Patterson. No, he's buying Elias Patterson's stock. All right. Uh, what, <laughs> everyone needs to calm down. That's what Tone says. I don't disagree. Josh in mission. Petey's fifth in scoring. If that's bad, then we're fine. Again, he's not had the impact winger as well. All right. Uh, we'll get to more of your thoughts on the text inbox, 650-650. But we mentioned the Canucks netminder tonight. Casey the Smith, fabulous between the pipes, helped the Canucks win 2 nothing. got the shutout. And here he is post-game meeting with the media about his performance and his team winning tonight. What is it about playing the Wild? I think you're 5-0 and in your career against them now. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Um, I don't think it's anything in particular. Just uh, try and show up every game, and some, sometimes it goes my way, sometimes it doesn't. How about your performance in particular in the first period? Obviously, they had a lot more zone time, a lot more chances. How did you feel you fared? It, yeah, it was nice. It was nice to, you know, I haven't played in a while. It was nice to just kind of get some action early on, get in the flow of the game, uh, and then the team took over from there. I thought, our, obviously, our second two periods were really good, um, better than the first. And, um, you know, that's a, that's a great win to kind of finish it out the way we did. the layoff because... It, you played a lot more earlier in the season, but Thatcher played eight of the last nine. Was it tough to, to get into it right away? Um, you know, not necessarily. Was, like like he said, there's a lot of zone time. Um, there's a lot of action down low, which is kind of nice, you know, early in the game, especially when you haven't played in a while. What does it mean to, you know, for the club? I mean, how much confidence do you think it gives them that they can drop you in regardless of the amount of time in between and you can perform like that? Yeah, that's kind of always been, you know, one of my things. Is I've always kind of been somebody who can go a long, long layoff and, and hop back in there and do my job. And I take a lot of pride in that, um, you know, supporting the team, supporting Demmer, um, just kind of doing my part for the team, part for the cause. What is it that allows you to airdrop in there and play well? Is it just a lot of hard work and practice, a lot of focus? Yeah, I think it's just a little... You know, extra focus in practice, a little extra gear that I have to have, um, you know, kind of treat it like a game so that when I do go into a game, you know, the speed doesn't feel that much faster or, um, you know, I'm able to have that sharpness that I need. If you haven't played in a while, is that the kind of start this may be good? Yeah. Like, yeah, definitely. It's it's nice to get the, the shots early and a little bit of zone time. What did you focus on in practice the last couple of weeks? Uh, Clark and I have been working on some stuff, you know, some down low stuff, some post stuff, um, you know, just cleaning up some movement, especially down, you know, in tight, which in the first period I saw a lot of that. So, you know, it's a good thing we worked on it. Uh, that is Casey DeSmith shutting out the Minnesota Wild tonight. 2 nothing victory for his Vancouver Canucks. And to break that down and to, to grace us with his knowledge, the man we call the triple threat has now arrived. You watch him on TV, you hear him on radio, you read him on digital. He is Ian McIntyre. That's a yes. No, that's a yes no, without saying yes. No, I was waiting for uh, Jimmy to oh. come in, and I was going to say, you know what? Every time I hear Jimmy, though, I think we got to keep it. I mean, unless you have a request. I mean, you're the triple threat. No, but I've had it a long time. Like, maybe I should update. The classic state classic. It's like I've had these runners a long time. Maybe I should update. But like they man, still look good, don't yeah, they? They're fantastic. Yeah, thank you. Sounds like a man tired of winning. All I do is win. <laughs> Maybe I should change. For the record, <laughs> Jimi Hendrix was decades before I, well, a decade before I started listening to music. I just, it's such a fantastic guitar riff. You know, I heard U2 play all along the Watchtower. I think before I heard 
Hendrix do it. Really? And the U2 version is from Rattle and Hum, which was in my wheelhouse <laughs> as a young man. And uh, loved it so much. And then I heard the original by Hendrix, and it just blew me away. The original is just something else. Yeah. It's just something else. I mean, I'm team keeping it, but, you know, you are allowed to change your intro music if you like, if you so please. You've earned that right. Uh, no, I'd like to keep it, but please tell me if if it gets to a point where people are talking and I should just update or drop it. I seem to be privileged in that I have entrance music. <laughs> Let's poll the inbox. Do you like the Hendrix or not? Okay. 650, 650. Okay. They'll let us know. People, the people are never wrong, are they? Well... I mean, we, we have people, uh, I mean, Jay and Poco texted in and says, every year the same Pedersen will find his game excuses. Star players like him shouldn't consistently have these streaky examples. No one is saying he's bad, but considering the contracts likely to get, he needs to be far more consistent, which I replied and said, he had 102 points last season. Like, what are we talking about here? Yeah. There's a lot uh, of worry I'm, about like- I'm not going to wade into that. I mean, <laughs> um, Austin Matthews has had a tough spell scoring goals since his hot start, and i I don't. I mean, at this moment, he's maybe not worth thirteen million. But I don't think most people, long term, would say, "Well, because of the last two weeks, there's no way the guy's worth that." I think Pedersen, for who he's playing with, it, which is kind of re- a role reversal. This is interesting, and and if PD were a little more talkative, it it would be an interesting thing to to discuss with him because. Remember, for years, Bo Horvat got the leftovers, and and you know whoever whoever was new and exciting and came to the team played with played with Pete. I make it sound for years and years. They've only been here what Petey's five years, yeah. So it's not that long, but you know Petey, for instance, got Brock from Bo when he first came, mm-hmm. and then when Miller came, he played with Petey. And then when they briefly had to Foley, and why in the world they let him go, none of us will ever know. But when, you know, he was he was playing with Petey. And now Besser, who's just playing outstanding hockey, and again, when I watch him play uh, a game like this, it's tight checking. He mm-hmm. just does so much now that that it makes him a complete player versus what he used to. But anyways, Besser is their best winger. And and he's playing, of course, with Miller and has and has all, all year. Now Hoaglander is the hot guy. He's playing uh, not with Petey. He's playing with Miller. Mind you, Lafferty has been terrific as yeah. well. So that's helping. But right, you know, given the struggles of of Kuzmenko and that Mikheyev at times goes quiet as well, right? Um, I think PD's doing just fine. I think he's doing just fine. And there'll be, you know, I'm not predicting it's going to happen next week or next month, but there will be times before the season ends where PD has 15 points in seven games and looks like a $13 million player himself. And, and the whole notion that star players don't go through slumps, every single star player goes through slumps. You know, I mean, Matthews last year, I mean, he had a bad year for his standards, 85 points in 74 games, only had 40 goals, you know. And I, I remember it was a couple of years ago, Sidney Crosby started the season, only had like 10 points in his first 21 games. People thought, has he lost it or whatever it is? And even the best players, Connor McDavid to begin the season was under, like he was, what, 50th in scoring for one point. Now he's gone red hot again. Players will go through ups and downs. That's going to happen. And I, I think sometimes 
there's this assumption that star players are just consistently producing like two points per game, and that's just not what happens. If, consistently. if the slumps were fifty games and regularly, I'd say okay, over half the season that can really sink years for you. People are saying, oh, these fifteen game samples. Talk about less than twenty percent of the season. We're that concerned. Yeah, and and I would say as well. So if he's not scoring, if he's not getting points, what else is he doing? Well, a lot. And you compare what else he's doing to say what else Kazmenko's doing. That's the difference. That's that's an elite player who's still helping drive his team or, or certainly trying to drive the team and doing things like blocking shots and hitting people, um, which Kazmenko doesn't do. And uh, again, I'm not saying, or not again, I, I'm not suggesting that Kazmenko needs to do those things specifically, mm-hmm. but as a, as a scorer, as a really talented player, when you're not scoring, you need to be able to play and do other things to help your, your team. And I think Pedersen is. Um, I was going to ask. How's that poll going so far? I'm dying it's, to know. It's, it's like 80-20 yeah. in favor. Oh. Even but Twitter's the 20 dropping are in. like yeah. the, 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 the minority 20%. That, they tend to be the loudest when they feel uh, the loud minority. No. You never yeah. say no. You know, the loud minority, and a lot of people saying the original is by Bob Dylan. Oh, that's a good point. It is. Yeah, it is by Bob Dylan. Thank you for the correction. I, I and I have, of course, I've heard the the Dylan version, but it's probably the poorest. Uh, <laughs> Dylan did some fantastic songs, and he and he was a poet. Poor, poor but, Dylan. But uh, the Hendrix version is just kills. Uh, the first sample for Nils Hoaglander on a line uh, with JT Miller. Thoughts on what they did? I thought he, in the first period, was a lot like the team where he looked pretty awful at times, and yet he scored the goal. Yeah. Uh, and then I think he was he got a little better, like the team did as well. I, I think he's, you know, he's growing into this. He, he's trying. This is a big thing. Like, it's not, not that long ago he was a healthy scratch, and now he's in the second line, and... Mm-hmm. I was going to say what were his minutes, but I have the sheet in my hand here. So played almost 16 minutes tonight, and he's and he's in a prominent role. And it's not just a prominent role because he's playing 16 minutes. He's playing it with Miller and Besser against the other team's top players, which is a, a hard yeah. assignment. And tonight that was that was mostly against uh, Kaprizov and Zuccarello, and those those are really good players. And and they had their looks, but I don't think the Canucks gave them. You know, grade A looks, and certainly not after the first period. Uh, I think Hoaglander is is doing you know fine. I think it's going to be hard for him to stay in this position. I think Lafferty for, maybe has a little more staying power because he has a little more experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the play without the puck, the positioning isn't as big a challenge for Lafferty as it is for Hoaglander because Hoaglander is still trying to to learn it. Lafferty already knows it. But I, I really like his speed right now at a time when the team looks uh, a little lead, and certainly they did in mm-hmm. the first 10 or 12 minutes tonight. Uh, they look, they look you know, traumatized from their defensive <laughs> miscues yeah. the other night. They weren't able to play. They were so fearful of making more mistakes. So I, I, I like Hoaglander's speed. I like how direct he is. But in that role, like... It's tough because you have to be on all the time, right? You're playing against the, the other team's top players all the time, and and it's really hard. But I think I think he has the chance 
Well, he's getting the chance now to do it. I think he could evolve into that long term. But it's it's fantastic for him that he has gone from being a healthy scratch 13 games ago, yeah. so not that long ago, to where he is right now. It's the most encouraging signs we've seen from him since his rookie year in the pandemic. And in hindsight, that was all just a bad dream. And yeah. even the good stuff was part of a bad dream. So, <laughs> yeah. So I think this is more impressive now how he's playing and how he's elevated himself than anything else he's done in the NHL. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I, and I hope he stays there and we'll see if he can. I mean, the thing is, nobody's taking that spot yeah. from him right now. And, and so you know what? He, does, he doesn't have. Sorry to interrupt. He doesn't have to stay there. Like, if he. if I don't think it's going to happen next game. But if three games from now he's on the fourth line, that's not a huge defeat. That's not a, a massive setback. That's just the reality of, of where he is in in trying to learn and improve and build some consistency and dependability into his game. It's about where he is in his progression, right? So you yes. can still live with that in many ways. And I thought tonight uh, the line that was the Canucks' best line was Connor Garland with Dakota Joshua and Teddy Bluger. I mean, I thought they created scoring chances. I've been very critical of Connor Garland, you know, in terms of what he does and, and doesn't do sometimes. But I thought tonight he may have been the Canucks' most effective winger, uh, creating scoring chances and winning pucks, keeping it uh, uh, deep in the offensive zone. Did a good job defensively as well. I thought that line really moved the needle for the Canucks tonight. Yeah, I thought they were great. I thought that was probably Teddy Bluger's best game. Uh, nearly scored in the second period when he hit the bar on a terrific setup by Dakota Joshua, who's also playing certainly his best hockey uh, as a Canuck. I imagine it's his best uh, in the NHL because he didn't get a whole lot of NHL time with, with St. Louis. Although I did ask Dakota on the last road trip if, if this is the best he's played, and he said... I don't know. Back in the day, I was pretty good. So I don't know back in what day or what league he's talking about. They've all been pretty good back in the day at lower leagues, but he's playing really well right now. And, you know, as we talked about on TV, Sap. I was waiting to bring this up because Gavin Victoria says, if I didn't hear the intro music, I probably wouldn't believe this guy gets on TV. (laughs) (laughs) Don't let anybody on TV. Look at Sap. Yeah, exactly. Like, who was that five years ago? And now look at him. Just a nobody. Oh, Still a nobody. Rock star. <laughs> uh, but as we were talking about uh, on TV, or I guess I was talking about it on TV, and probably about as succinctly as I'm discussing it right now, you know, this is one of their the underreported good stories about the Canucks, is that coming into this season, there were a lot of questions about their bottom bottom half of their lineup. You know, the focus was on the defense. But even at forward, although they had made these changes in the summer, which were promising, you know, adding uh, Bluger and Suter, and then they made the deal for Lefty. But you don't know how it's going to work out. You don't know if you're actually, are you going to get something more from your bottom six, which they definitely needed to have. Um, Look at how that line has played for a while now. Look at how Lafferty has gone from the fourth line and played all three positions on the fourth line. And now he's playing on the first line because he's he's played uh, so well. And, you know, yeah, there's there's still guys, you know, that are, who are struggling, um, especially Kuzmenko, but also DiGiuseppe, who got back into the lineup yeah. tonight. But overall, the, I think this team has gotten a lot more from their bottom six than what people would have thought. And especially if you'd said that Pew Suter was going to be abducted by aliens and we'd never see him again, uh, they're getting far more than, than what you would have thought of. 
I mean, is that what happened to Suter? By the way, I, I would. I would. I'm trying to it. figure it out. It's a bit oh. of a mystery. Well, they confirmed aliens around. <laughs> I don't know if we'll ever confirm what actually happened with Pew Suter. So Lafferty and Niels Hoaglander have 16 goals combined. Which is more goals than Kuzmenko, Garland, and I guess technically Garland plays on the third line, right? Like he's not in the top six, but guys getting paid to be top six guys, right. those guys are significantly out out producing right now. Guys are getting paid to score. Yeah, but I would argue with you a little bit, Sat, on on Garland. Not that at times there's a lot of motion and then ass and elbows are flying everywhere, but he's not really getting anything right. done. That has happened at times. But I think he's been very effective mm-hmm. in driving that line. Yeah. I think he's a lot of the reason why Bluger and Dakota Joshua look so good on that line mm-hmm. is because you know he's got the puck so much and he's he's the engine that that drives the other two guys. I, I thought it was really one of the most interesting things that Rick Tockett has said this season, not that long ago, and he says a lot of interesting things like a. Tonight, the game dragged, and I just wasn't able to do talk at scrum. But he's usually pretty good viewing. But he said with Garland that he he needs to be a, a guy who just go, go, go. Yeah. He has to be the guy that you let loose to just go get the puck and make plays and do things. It, it's He's not the guy to try and support, and I'm paraphrasing now, he's not the guy to try to necessarily support um, Pedersen or, or Miller mm-hmm. on a on a higher line because those guys need the puck. Yeah. Whereas Garland needs the puck to be effective. And, um, you know, Tockett knows him from Arizona. He says, you just kind of let him go. You just yeah. set him free, and he does his thing. And it's not easy to play with him. That's one of the things that Tockett said. Uh, but he has that ability to drive a line on his own. I think he's been doing that on the third line, even though he needs for five, almost five schmill a year. He needs more points, more goals than what he's got so That's far. That's the problem. That's the it's, only it's, thing. It's really yeah. just an unfortunate circumstance for all the things that we're talking about. It's like, well, Pedersen plays with Mikheyev and Lafferty, and where can they? It's, it's that comes down to someone's making five million dollars lower in the lineup, having some success doing it. It just to to work the equation to go find a player to go play with Pedersen consistently. It's like, well, and, and it's still trying see the shelf life, and it. it's still trying to fix a roster that was put together very imperfectly, and you know that's what management's trying to put do. together. What Imperf- imperfectly is that even a word? Imperfectly. I don't know. That's not probably not a word. I'm just making it up at this Imperfectly? Point. Imperfectly. Imperfectly. There we go. Imperfectly. There we go. Yeah. It, 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 Vic is the literary one. In he the is. He is. <laughs> I mean, he needs to be on TV. Uh, but. I'd he say does that, need to be on TV. He does. There's some CRTC uh, complaints on Triple Comp for real fast. So, so I'd say if you look at it in that way, yes, right? That's the issue. He was he was brought in to be a top six player, and he can't be a top six player on this team. His best role is to be on the third line, which is inefficient for a guy making $5 million. But you're right. He helps drive play. He helps the line. And I thought tonight, you know, for a game where the, the other lines weren't going, that was really the difference that allowed the Canucks to win tonight. But if he's, if he's making that money on a line where the center, and I'm just guessing now or going by memory i think bluger's 1.9 mm-hmm. and dakota is entry almost entry level isn't he like 850 yeah. or 8 so he's getting you more value out of those guys by by how he's how he's playing if it, if it was just like a a black hole the th- the third line and they weren't getting any points and uh connor garland's just spinning his wheels there i'd say yeah yeah like that's 
you know, a grotesque mispayment. But I, I don't think it is as long as he's still making the players around him better and playing effectively and that the line is getting points. They win their matchups. They win their matchups more as often as the top two lines win their matchups, that third line lately. And, you know, if if the team is successful, then then you can, I think you can live with that. You know, where, where it's hard, and this is sort of a big picture question with Kuzmenko, is if you're paying somebody five or five and a half million dollars and they're not making the players they play with any better, well, then what exactly are you getting for for your money? Essentially asking about Andre Kuzmenko right now yeah. in some regards. However, played on the power play tank, created some chances. But nonetheless, brings us to the end of the show. Great stuff as always, Ian. We appreciate your insight can very we go, much. Can we get the final poll? It's very this. informal, but I'll, I'll say seventy-five, twenty-five. Yeah, I so, say that, so that means like three people said, "Yeah, keep yeah. it." One person, yeah, hates. I, I know there's a better uh, estimation next time. Yeah, I, know, do, I do feel shame about not giving Bob Dylan credit for that song. Like, I'm not kidding. We have dozens of text messages on on these votes, so we'll Someone give you a proper say, number later. Ian okay. McIntyre talking about you two and Jimmy has transcended into a new level. The man is just too cool. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. It is just if too only cool. they knew me. <laughs> No, that's why the, the less people know, the more they... Just touring you know to what? watch Fish and Grateful Dead. Yeah, I mean, these 15 minutes just destroy me because I expose myself as being a fool. <laughs> Whereas there's some people who think I'm cool. I should just leave it that way. Don't speak. Don't do anything. Don't write. I'm not sure how I'd make a living. <laughs> I'd be cool and poor, I guess. But at least I got these suits from Sportsnet. Hey, listen. They can't uh, take those back. Listen, Twitter clout doesn't get you paid, but it makes you popular. I guess. You can do that. You can go for Is that, that a George Bernard Shaw quote? Uh, to, to, the to, Twitter uh, clout doesn't get you paid. <laughs> no, I don't think it was him. No, I think it was Hawthorne, actually. No. <laughs> the one of like... But yet again, you're dropping a literary reference. Flexing. I, I, try, I don't even remember the quote now. Um... It is better to remain silent and be thought of. Do you, do you know Beowulf in Old English? No, okay. afraid not. <laughs> afraid not. You know, you know, not what is not cool is yeah. Beowulf. No <laughs> references. Uh, no, but great stuff, Ian. Thanks so much. Look forward to reading your latest on Sportsnet.ca, and we chat with you on Saturday when the Canucks host the Hur- Carolina Hurricanes, coming off two losses in Alberta. I just made a Beowulf reference for the first time ever. Oh, yeah. It cashed at plus 9,000. <laughs> Very good. He's Vic Nazar. Uh, back. He's on the People Show. No, he's on the Connect Central I'm tomorrow. On the Connect Central tomorrow. Yes, yeah. uh, I'm not around tomorrow, so Vic is around. Special thanks to him. Special thanks to Josh Elliott Wolf and Fast Eddie Gregor producing the show. And thanks to all of you for listening and participating to the Connect Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650.